Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Hey guys, it's Adam Ho. Just wanted to give you a heads up that once again this year, I'm going to be on Radio Row at the Super Bowl all next week, Monday through Friday, streaming on WGNRadio.com and the WGN Radio app. So here's what you need to do because it's not going to be here on the Hogue and John's podcast feed. You need to go over to Sports Central. So either go to WGNRadio.com slash sports and you can find the Sports Central page or Subscribe just like you do to Hogan Johns, but search for WGN Sports Central instead. We're going to be there all week long, have a ton of great guests, including some former Bears players that are going to join me out there. It's going to be a lot of fun, so make sure you listen all week long. You can listen live again, 1 to 2 p.m. Central, WGNRadio.com or on the WGN Radio app, or if you just want to listen to it as a podcast, make sure you go over to Sports Central and subscribe over there. But right now, it's time for another episode of Hogan Johns. Let's go. Podcasts. It's like radio, but it's not on the radio. Hogan Johns. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Obsession. Being obsessed. Anything that you do, if there's an obsession with it, you realize that obsession. good things come from that. WGN Radio's very own Adam Hogue. Let loose and just have some fun as you go about winning. And the Chicago Sun-Times, Adam Johns. Hot Rod! Red 7! Hot Rod! Bring you Chicago's best Bears coverage. There's a different vibe around the building. Obsession. Everyone's just coming to work every day excited. Being obsessed. That's what it's all about. And now, here they are. Perfection! Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. A special edition of Hogan Johns. We said we weren't going to do a podcast this week, but the Bears have had other ideas. Plenty of news to get to. Johns is in Orlando with all the Pro Bowlers, which now includes Mitch Trubisky. What's up, Johnsy? What's it like in hey, Florida? What's going on? Um, I have sunburn on my face. How are you doing in snowy Chicago? Uh, not just snowy Chicago, but uh, every 30 minutes or so, I get an alert on my phone about how freaking cold it's about to be. Oh, you'll be okay, Adam. Just put some gloves on. Wear a hat. Hmm. People don't wear enough hats. Forget scarves. Scarves are overrated. Wear a hat. I think the high tomorrow is one. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not. Gonna, I think it's one. I got so hot today. I, I wore it stormed last night here in, in Florida. You know the storms don't last long, and, and I got hot today at practice. And, and I actually complained about that to Kevin Fishbane, our colleague from the Athletic. And what, and what, and what did he say? He took off his hoodie. It was hot. All right. Well, I'm going to keep my reaction to that to myself, but I don't think that's very nice of you. To, you no. Know, I'm thinking about going in the hot tub later. Hmm. Well, I'm a hot tub guy. Um, so good for you. Good for you. Enjoy enjoy that. No. Can I give can I give you one Pat Finley fun fact of the day? Sure, I saw Pat today. Yeah, I'm sure he was all bundled up. You know, he's from California. But but anyway, he brings his swimsuit to every single road trip we go on to. He, even the Bourbonet. Even the Bourbonet. Because he is a hot tub addict. He tries to get at least 15 minutes in every single hot tub that he can around the country. It's weird. I think it's weird. 
Some uh, of those things are not clean. Yeah, I, yeah, I know the whole thing about them not being clean. I like them because it helps with recovery because I'm playing a lot of, you know, I still consider myself to be somewhat of an athlete and I'm playing basketball and stuff. But uh, Pat, I don't know yeah. that that's why he's using them. <laughs> that uh, does not apply. But we were, I will say I was bummed with him when the, the Bourbonnet, our Fair, Fairfield Inn in Bourbonnet got rid of the hot tub. Yes. Oh, he was very upset about that. that He's mean, actually considering going to a different hotel because of that fact. <laughs> and then he remembered the Marriott points. Yes, yes, yes. Priorities. <laughs> What's going on? Welcome in episode 215 of a Hogan Johns. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read us at WGNRadio.com slash BearsChicagoSunTimes.com. If you've been doing that and if you've been following on, uh, us on Twitter... Then you know that John's is in Orlando, and I'm back here in in uh, snowy, cold Chicago, where Chuck Pagano met with the media today over at Hal's Hall. So we got you covered fully here. This is gonna be a good episode. I'm excited uh, to to talk about a lot of things um, between the two of us. We got everything you need to have. We're gonna hear from Trubisky. Boy, he sounds giddy down there at the Pro Bowl. You had a chance to talk to Mitch down there, so we'll hear from Mitch Trubisky. I had a chance to talk to Chuck Pagano today, so we'll hear from uh, a good chunk from the press conference. I think Bears fans are are, are definitely going to want to hear what Pagano had to say about the changes coming on defense, or maybe not a whole lot of changes, actually, uh, based on what he said today. So uh, plenty to get to, but I want to start, John's, Actually, with a piece of news we got earlier in the week, just knock this out right away. The Bears are going back to London. London, baby. London, baby. I'm pumped. Go ahead. I can tell because you didn't even like report the news. You just tweeted out a gif of of, uh, Joey from Friends saying that he's going to London. Absolutely. Yeah, forget the news. Everybody knew about it. Whatever. It's exciting. Well, for, for personal reasons, obviously. Never been to London, but... Um, Bears on an international stage. I'm sure Chicago will travel in force again like they did how many years ago the last time they went, but should be a big week out there uh, for sure. Yeah, 2011, the Bears beat the Buccaneers out there. Um, neither of us covered that game. Um, I think that was my first year on the beat, but I wasn't traveling and certainly not going all the way to London. Um, hopefully this year I will be going too, but we'll have to work that out. You know, I still have Northwestern duties and things like that. So we'll have to see when the game's scheduled. And, uh, anyway, the responses, the reason why I want to bring this up first is because as soon as we tweeted out the news, got the news out there, the responses from all of our podcast listeners were like live show in London, right? Live show. Yes, we will do our best to figure that out. I mean, first... Absolutely, yeah. Adam. Make it work. Go Cats. I get it. Yeah. Come on. Well, okay. Well, you're welcome to call Dave Bennett and uh, and figure that all out for me. Um, <laughs> I, we'll do. <laughs> I, I, I will put it like this. I will do my... I'm certainly going to be trying to go to London. Um, you don't have to worry about that. And assuming I will go, which I'm pretty confident I will... Um, we will do our best to set up a live show. We know we have a ton of listeners out there in the United Kingdom, and we know that uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Bears fans that are going to travel too. So that is, trust me, there's already been emails sent about that, and we appreciate the feedback we got right away. So that uh, that's fun, and hopefully we can make the best out of um, the Bears going to London again. And because here's the other uh, other part of this, we've already talked about how difficult of a schedule this is. I don't think the players are really going to complain about a trip to London, but this does add just another wrinkle, another challenge 
to an already very tough 2019 schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, was it the the Raiders who went out there on a Thursday? Does that sound right? Uh, I, I I couldn't remember who it was, but I know like teams have teams have uh, um, like kind of juggled with the best way to handle the trips out there, and it's had different you know success and failures. Yes, for for a guy who's been to Ireland a couple of times, as everybody that listens to our podcast will know, I went to Ireland a couple of years ago. Yeah, and it took you a week to recover. Yes, the the jet lag is a real deal, <laughs> and especially when, and the beer, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Yes. Let, but, I mean, let's see. Let's let's be honest about what we're blaming here. <laughs> I don't think Mitch Trubisky and company are going to be hitting the pubs all day drinking Guinnesses in London. Now they may go out and have a, a good time, you know, a couple times, but. Just saying, I, I'm more concerned about our well-being in London for a, a week. You know, with all the, the <laughs> uh, all the fun we could have, I should say, um, there, Adam. But to my original point, if you're a team playing in London, you go there as soon as you can, as soon as your team is willing to spend that much money to go there Monday or Tuesday. Get acclimated to that time change because it hits you two or three days later. You're going to be tired. You're going to be groggy. You do not want that day to be Sunday. I, I feel like it was the Raiders that went out there on Thursday. Then obviously they got their butt kicked on, on Sunday. So I would not follow the Raiders' plans by any means. No, and, and uh, given how much we've heard from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy on that very topic, just you know, sleep schedules, practice schedules, um, you know, ev- everything that goes into training and conditioning and, and trying to stay as healthy as possible. You imagine the Bears aren't going to try to cut any corners here um, with this trip. What I do wonder, and I don't really know that there's a connection here or not, I wonder if they will try to... Uh, I think they they like doing the preseason trip where they practice against another team. I don't know if this affects that at all, because on one hand, you could say, all right, well, they're, if they're going to be in London for a week, do they want to be out somewhere else in August for a week? At the same time, that whole... A trip in August could actually help them prepare for London just in terms of, you know, a practice schedule away from home for a week leading up to a game. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get your point. You got to literally travel your entire organization, right? Everybody, right. the trainers, the, the, the equipment staff, the amount of stuff they have to bring. So this is a, a major operation. It's why teams do get the week off after just in terms of how much goes into the planning and the traveling and getting everything that you need for game day there. I mean, even for the game week, practice week, to get there, it's a lot of work. And I did look this up. I just sent a quick Google search. I think it was the Raiders who left on Thursday afternoon for the the London game last year. And I'm trying to look up the the result. That's insane because they're coming from the West Coast, too. I mean, they're at, they're adding two more hours, and the Bears are going to have to deal with in terms of time change. And who did they play in that game? Wasn't it the Seahawks? Was it the Seahawks? I don't know. You're the one with the Google machine in front of you. I'm trying. Here. Well, I'm Seattle's trying here. yeah okay. If it's the Seahawks, then it's the same in terms of time uh, zones. But I don't know. Yeah, sporting news headline: Seahawks top Raiders with blowout win in London, twenty-seven to three in Week Six of last season or this season, however you want to phrase it. So yeah, do not follow that plan of attack. Bears go out there on a Thursday afternoon. What a cheap approach 
Yeah. By the way, like well, I mean, I get the, the Raiders, it, the Raiders are hurting right now financially yeah. because they not don't, only, even, don't even have a stadium. Well, well, they they're building one um, in Las Vegas, but then they have to pay the relocation fee and. Um, you know, now they don't even have a home for next season, which is why we thought it was actually, yeah, I, I don't know about you. I was not surprised at all that the bears were named for one of these international games, whether it was going to be in London or Mexico city. Cause just looking at the schedule, realizing they are playing the Raiders that don't even have a home and also realizing that the Rams were also one of the, the teams that they, uh, they have a road trip for next year. Um, it, it didn't surprise me. And the Raiders probably made the most sense. I just didn't know if it would be in London or Mexico city. Yeah, so I mean, the Bears are playing the Raiders again in, in London as well. So maybe they go, the, maybe they go the cheap route again, and they fly it in Thursday, and the Bears can play the Seahawks role mm-hmm. and, and take it to them. But I mean, I, I was going to pencil that in, in in as a win anyway in our 2019 projections. And if the Raiders decide to go from the Pacific time zone, you know, halfway across the wor- world to Europe, you know, on a Thursday afternoon, and then you know. All the power to I'm sure Bears fans would be really ecstatic about that. The Khalil Mack John Gruden showdown in London. It should be fun. Anyway, um, we will do our best to uh, make that trip great for our listeners out there uh, because we know we have a, a ton of listeners across the pond. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, before we get to Pro Bowl and Chuck Pagano, there were some things I just wanted to talk about from Championship Sunday because. I just haven't had the opportunity to do so this entire week. We haven't done a podcast. Um, briefly talked about it on the radio a little bit, but not really able to go in depth um, on there. So it, would you call – I think – I've been thinking about this a lot and because some people have called the non-pass interference call in the Rams-Saints game the biggest officiating mistake ever. And, I mean, I, I, my brain can't – go all the way back to maybe some of the other mistakes that have been, but I have to imagine, given the stakes, what we're talking about with the Super Bowl, that it's not just one of the biggest officiating mistakes ever in football, but in all of sports. Yeah, well, there's some recency bias here, right? It's I can't remember. I can remember notable plays that have been debated uh, and, and you think of like the the Des Bryant non catch catch whatever you want to call it. Uh, you get the tuck rule in the playoffs. I I, I remember certain plays like that, but in, but in terms of of penalties, look, no, nothing comes to mind. It, to me, it was one of the most egregious non calls I have ever seen. I mean, that was pass interference times ten. Yeah, I mean, it was. It's the most light awesome, you could have. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't a jump ball where he tugged on his shirt or anything like that. He took the guy out, labeled him, yeah, took him out. So he didn't I'm, even go for the ball. I'm talking about like magnitude, like the consequences of such a mistake. I mean, miss call, we see miss pi calls all the time, and sometimes they're even that bad. I mean, that's certainly on the high scale of how bad you can miss one. But I'm just talking about the you know the the degree of pass interference on that specific on any specific play. But the mag, the consequence of the mistake. Yeah. I mean, the Saints. The analytics show the Saints would have had a ninety-eight percent chance of winning that game. Um, so about as close as you can get to reasonably saying the wrong team is in the Super Bowl. Thinking about it that way, and how big the Super Bowl is. Just it's the biggest sport in the world. It's you know the, the NFL. It's 
the Super Bowl gets washed everywhere. And you can make a reasonable argument the wrong team is in the game. I mean, that is that is just crazy to think about. And um, I, I understand why it's opening up all these different conversations, including whether or not pass interference should be reviewable, because the whole thing is like, if you have the technology to prevent the wrong team from being in the Super Bowl, then I understand everybody who's saying, I mean, why not use it? No, it, it was going to spur a change. That's when you know it's a big deal, right? Yeah. When, when the conversation becomes this venomous and this nasty, because I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, but has Roger Goodell or anybody from the NFL commented on this publicly? No, they have not released a statement. They leaked out that they were going to talk about it in the offseason, which I think was just sort of damage control uh, in the moment. But I mean, where's your guy at Robot River on? Uh, I don't. Uh, I, it's it's a great question. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. We haven't we haven't heard him say hello. This is Al Riveron. I'm here to talk about this. No, did not, did not. He willingly engages and trolls Bears fans over the Zach Miller play, but he won't. Yeah. Analyze this and break down this. Uh, look, uh, it's bad, but look, at least it'll spur change. Uh, I was talking about this with, with someone earlier, just in terms of comparing and contrasting the Bears' playoff loss, obviously with the Cody Parkey miss, and then you had the the Saints' loss. Uh, it's been a topic of conversation down here uh, amongst players, media to players, uh, media to media. Uh, it's been a hot topic, especially if you're from one of those markets. And I still think, look, the Cody Parkey thing was heartbreaking, but the, the the anger that can come out of the Saints play. And I get the argument that the Saints still had a chance to, to win after that. They had overtime. But that play, it sticks with you. And it, it's hard for all players to shake it off. Now, the Saints have all sorts of veterans. Maybe they should have done it. But there was an opportunity lost there, and it looks just awful. For the NFL, you know, whereas the Bears have Parky and he looks awful across the league. I think everybody almost loses because of what happened in the Saints game. Yeah, I mean, if that ball had been intercepted and taken to the house the other way after the pass interference and you could like directly say they lost the game on that play. Um, you know, it's, it's like what we were saying with Cody Parkey, like he didn't lose the game. He just failed at winning it. I mean, that that play is kind of the same thing, like. They didn't lose the game on that play. They just they didn't win it on that play because if it gets called, they probably win the game. Um, but yeah. they had ample opportunity after that. And the reality is, Drew Brees threw an interception after that. Now it wasn't really his fault. The ball, his arm was hit, but you know someone didn't do their job up front. He got hit. The ball was intercepted, and you know credit the Rams too. I mean, Greg Zerline. Kickers freaking matter. We learned that over the weekend, that's for sure. And, and he came through with some incredible kicks to to send the the Rams to the Super Bowl. So I'm not really going to go into next week. I'm going to be at the Super Bowl. I'm not going to really, you know, every day bring up all oh, the wrong teams here, go on a rant or anything like that. I mean, um, it's unfortunate. <laughs> I think that'll be covered extensively by others. Yeah, exactly. I, it's unfortunate what happened. Um, I think. It should be talked about whether or not pass interference should be reviewable. But I got to say, Johnsy, I'm not all the way there. I, I just, I, I don't know how you handle this because I, it's so much more complicated than just saying, well, coaches can ask what, you know, use their challenges and say, oh, I thought he was interfered there, so let's challenge it. That part of it um, could work. I'm really worried about, though, the last 
two minutes of the half, end of the game, what, how that gets applied um, from the standpoint of every play being automatically reviewed because there is contact all the time. There is holding. There is um, just just contact down the field that could be pass interference. I'm just talking about between corners and, and wide receivers for the most part uh, or linebackers and tight ends on every single play that theoretically could be called, but you're looking at what's an advantage. And I'm just worried about what, you know, I, I fully believe replay exists to correct problems like we saw Sunday. Okay, The most egregious of mistakes on the field, if you have the technology to fix it, you should. But what we've seen over and over again, and it's not just football. I watched a basketball game last night that had this happen too. We take replay, and the whole idea is to fix the major mistakes, and now every time they go to the monitor, they're looking down to the you know every millimeter of contact and they're coming up with stuff and and that's what I'm worried about happening here with pass interference and then and then the other part is okay you start doing pass interference well okay then w- what about that play in the the Chiefs game where Tom Brady got hit in the shoulder and they called roughing the passer so should that be reviewable then cuz he clearly didn't hit him in the head you know and so once you start down this road with penalties where does it end? And then at what point does the game start to become really hard to watch? It, it becomes almost robotic, right? You, you take yeah. the human element out of it. To me, look, I've always been on the side of sometimes you just have to let the players play, right? There, there's always going to be contact, and you hate to have this type of conversation like over a, a bad call, right? Where, you know, oh, it's not an egregious call. It's a jump ball. Maybe there's a little tug on his shirts. And you just want the guys to play. You just want the officials to let the players play, right? This, to me, stands out because of how egregious it is. And, look, I know, like, the CFL, you can review plays like this or something like it. I don't know the full details. I don't um, know I'm sorry, but... Yeah. Maybe they can find some type of resolution. I, I think there has to be. I don't know if they use the word egregious or, or they or they limit the actual challenges of such plays that can be used. But look, this is a bad look for the NFL. I mean, there is a guy from New Orleans taking out advertisements all over the Atlanta area, <laughs> which is hilarious. The NFL, yeah, blaming. Yeah, isn't it hilarious? Blaming the NFL for this. It's getting more attention. Than a lot of uh, the, the hubbub, the, the craziness that Atlanta deserves for hosting the game. So, look, it's just not a good look for the league. I, I think there needs to be some type of resolution. There needs to be some. They, they, they make rule changes at them every single year. We yeah. go to the owners' meeting. We, we get a list of all sorts of stuff. To me, I just throw it away because I, I, you know some of it doesn't make much sense to the common viewer. But this type of play. Everybody saw it. Everybody knows what pass interference is. There needs to be some type of agreement that can be reached so this does not happen again. Well, I can I can see it working with the coaches' challenges during the game. I mean, and I, I think it would sort of apply very similar to uh, challenging spots on the field. Like, for the most part, it's not worth challenging. Like, uh, officials get spots wrong all the time. I mean, I can tell you from doing Northwestern sidelines, it happens a lot. I mean, they're, they're usually off at least a couple inches on every single play, to be honest with you. Um, but but so challenging those spots, you usually don't win, 
right? But then sometimes there's an egregious one where like they clearly miss by like a yard or two, and then those will actually get overturned. So I could see that happening where like if they start reviewing pass interference, maybe they say, hey, look, we're only going to ter- overturn the obvious ones. If guys are hand fighting a little bit, and I hope that's how it would be because that's my concern is all of a sudden you just start to look at every little detail and what they're like, it, it's just going to get too crazy. But again, I worry about once it's in the hands of the officials to buzz down because let me give you an example. People who have been following me on Twitter or listening to me for years know how much I love college basketball. And yet, Every year, I find myself watching less and less college basketball. And I kind of realized last night, as I was watching the Illinois-Wisconsin game, what's happening? I mean, it is, it is excruciatingly painful to watch some of these games. I mean, they're, they're calling every tiny little contact. And there's I don't know if you know about this, John. There's this new hook and hold thing this year. So it, it, it's essentially an offensive player hooking a defensive player and trying to draw a foul that way. And so the college basketball said, well, you know, it's like this trick offensive players are pulling. So let's use the technology we have where if we think this is happening during the game, we can go to the monitor and assess a flagrant foul for this happening. So last night in the game, Ethan Happ for Wisconsin gets fouled. I mean, he was called, the, the Illinois player was called for a foul. And then all of a sudden they go to the monitor. And you're like, why are they going to the monitor? Well, it turned out, because they were jostling for position, that their arms were hooked together as the foul was occurring. So after looking at it on the replay, they assess a flagrant foul to Ethan Happ on the play. I mean, they're essentially like just using this replay to come up with stuff that nobody's seen live. And, and it's just like, this is not the point of replay. This is it's not the point of sports. It, it should, this should not be how it's being used. And now, oh, by the way, you just took an All-American off the floor because he had three fouls at the time. Why would any sport want that? I mean, could you ever imagine the NFL in a situation where they're like taking quarterbacks off the field? No. I mean, that's what I don't understand with some of these sports. Like they're punishing their best players and putting taking them off the court at times. This, this is... I. I in some ways, I think football is is immune to this. Like people are always going to watch, no matter how much the pace of play gets hurt or whatever. But we're seeing in other sports, like college basketball, to me, and baseball to a certain extent too, where the pace of play is really making it hard to watch. And I just don't want to see that continuing to happen in football. I think there's such some people are just so driven to make sports perfect and get everything right, but sports. And its creation and the way it's played is imperfect. It, there's going to be mistakes. It's just always been part of the game. To, to me, if I had a say in the, the NFL competition committee, maybe you add another challenge, right? In that challenge, you only get one per game. So, so it doesn't become outrageous. You can only challenge one penalty or one non-penalty per game, right? And that's it. Whether that's... Um, a roughing the passer call, uh, a, a really light one on third down, like the Tom Brady Chiefs one, right? Or maybe it's the, the Saints-Rams pass interference, but you only get one per game. So it makes coaches be strategic about it in a sense, just like some of them are with their challenges. But there's, to me, there's got to be a way to find a resolution to making everybody happy so you don't have the problems like you have or, or like the ones you detailed in college basketball or all the talk about how baseball's slow now, and they got clocks out there for everything. It's just 
Yeah. Like everybody wants things perfect, but at least for in, in this case, they can find something, uh, whether it's limited or not, the, to to find an answer for what was an awful missed call in an all-important football game not too long ago. I, I guess what I'm saying is I think something needs to be done. I just don't trust them to get it right, it, it, especially with this guy in charge. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. So, well, he he is a robot, Adam. He he is a robot. Um, real briefly too. Why do we have coin tosses? Where are you going with this one, my friend? <laughs> well, this 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 came from the overtime in the Chiefs Patriots game. So I, I I'll, I'll admit I. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> well, because you okay, buddy. A lot of people were upset with the overtime that the fact that Patrick Mahomes never touched the ball. Because the way the rules are written, the Patriots won the coin toss and they scored a touchdown. So the game's over. And I'll admit, I mean, I kind of felt robbed too. Like, I've watched a ton of Chiefs games this year. I've enjoyed Patrick Mahomes. He came back in the last minute, got them in field goal range to force overtime, and the the league MVP didn't get to touch the ball. See, my, my, my answer to that is, with all due respect to Patrick Mahomes, Football is the ultimate team game. Yeah. And your defense sucked. It sucked all year. It sucked in the biggest game on the biggest stage and could not get off the field against the greatest quarterback of all time. And I get it. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, but it's a team game. Make your stop, get off the field, and put Matthew Mahomes back out. Okay. That's the way I feel about it. And I 100% agree with you. But. I also understand where people are coming from. Is why is this being decided by a coin? Like, it, it's still coming down to one team gets an advantage because of a coin. It, so how would, how would you do that? That, that? One would say that's a 50-50 fair chance. Right, but it's still, it's a coin. Here's what's fair. The, the Chiefs were the better team during the regular season. They had a higher seed. In my opinion, it makes way more sense just from a fundamental football sports perspective that something should not come down to a coin, whether it's the kickoff at the beginning of the game or overtime. Baseball and hockey have built-in home field advantages. Okay, baseball, you bat last. In hockey, you know all about that. You get last change. You get uh, an advantage on face-offs. What, isn't there something else, too? Uh if it goes to a shootout, doesn't the home coach get to pick whichever one he wants? Yeah, but those are also series. This is one game. I think there's a difference because those series can go potentially, you know, seven games. But right? let me What's just the old let, saying: it's not a series until someone wins on the road. But go, go ahead. Well, don't. But don't you agree that if if we're gonna decide things like who's getting possession of the football, which is the most valuable thing in football? you know, holding on to the ball and having the opportunity to score, shouldn't the team that earned home field advantage get to choose? I mean, to me, that that makes way more sense than just leaving it up to a coin. I, I, I disagree. I mean, they already have the home field advantage, so wouldn't they take more advantage of that fact just because of their home crowd, loud crowd? Look what the Saints do. You know, look what the Bears do with the air raid sirens. All that stuff that factors into what home field advantage is, is supposed to be. I, I get that other sports have built in strategic advantages, but I like having it to, to chance and making it fair in that instance. Especially, you know, let, let's say 
that the team with the home field advantage actually wasn't the better team by the end of the season. Maybe maybe they struggled and lucked into that or, or something like that. Or maybe the better team got their – or maybe the team with the losing record or the worst record got their quarterback back or something like that. I, I just like having – something that's fair in a moment like that. I know it's chance. I know it's 50-50. I don't even know why we're talking about this. Adam, but because it's a big deal. I mean, I, I think this is something that's actually going to come up in the competition committee, too. Because the They already changed the overtime rules like two years ago. Well, I think they're going to change it more. I, I, I do, whether it's this year or future, I think both teams are going to end up getting a possession in overtime. Oh, gosh, this is how I... They, then do your job and stop the football. Okay, well, I let me give that. you a choice. Let me give you a choice. Would you rather have it what I'm saying... With the, you know, instead of a coin, the home home uh, team gets to choose possession or defense. Or would you rather have overtime be longer with both teams getting, getting guaranteed a possession? Wait, say that again. Okay. You're, you're confusing me now. Okay, what I, instead of giving both teams one possession, I'm proposing that the coin toss, the, the home team gets the advantage, okay, to choose or the opportunity to choose, okay? Otherwise, if they keep with coin tosses and it comes down to a coin toss, I do think eventually we're going to see both teams um, have op- the opportunity to possess the ball in overtime. So which way would you rather have it? Look, look if, if this is the case and every team that loses is going to be a bunch of sore losers and completely dirt or incessantly complain about such things, <laughs> then, I would say, then I would say just go to the, the college system, right? Just do it. Just get it over with and go to it and give yourself as many chances as you want. And you want, and go for the two-point conversions. Everybody loves how wild those games get. So if NFL teams that lose, because that's where it comes from, right? And, and I get it. And, and I understand why they decided to eliminate the field goal rule. I didn't. I well, never that was really, really that. dumb. I mean, you could, yeah. the coin toss, you're automatically in field goal range if you complete one pass. Yes, so I, I like what they've done to change it, and I do think it's become more fair. I, you, you've heard my thoughts on the coin toss, but if we're just going to continue to go down this road, just go to the college version. Just do it already. Mm, I don't know about that. I just, I, I, I'm a hundred percent convinced if the Chiefs have won the coin toss, they would be in the Super Bowl. And I just hate that it came down to a coin. So. I just it, it's maybe it should have came down to the defensive players to make a, a stop. I, I agree, but and, and Robert Gronkowski and, give, and I'm willing to give the Patriots in you know a ton of credit. They had a great game plan. Bill Belichick outcoached Andy Reid, and it resulted in the defense for the Chiefs being on the field for 94 freaking plays, and they were tired. So the advantage Patriots in overtime. Um, but you know it would have been also great to have the MVP touch the ball once. All right. Uh, let's talk about the Pro Bowl a little bit. Mitch Trubisky gets the call. We knew it was a possibility because either Jared Goff or or Drew Brees was going to the Super Bowl, and Mitch Trubisky ends up getting the call. Drew, Drew Brees ended up not going it anyway, right? Correct. I think Dak Prescott is technically... His uh, alternate replacement, he got here today. He was not here yesterday. Obviously, uh, Trubisky got the call on what, Monday? Yeah. From Matt so he was from Jared Goff's so, yes. replacement. And somehow Matt Ryan, who had a better year than both of them, isn't in the Pro Bowl. Whatever. Um, <laughs> do you, just your thoughts on Trubisky making the Pro Bowl? I mean, I, this is significant. Whether he's technically deserving off the pecking order or not, like he put himself in position, he obviously had a good enough season 
to put himself in the conversation. Um, so I think either way, it speaks to the fact that here's a guy in his second season um, with the Chicago Bears who becomes the first Pro Bowl quarterback for this franchise since Jim McMahon in 1985. I mean, that's that means something. Oh, it's significant. Absolutely significant. And I get the arguments for, for Matt Ryan, but I like going back to my, my team sport argument. Your team was not good. They kind of underachieved. And look, your team just wasn't good enough. So, yeah, you know, give me the playoff QBs over them. You know, and Trubisky, Prescott, Wilson all played roles in their team success in reaching those playoffs. Obviously, um, there was some good defense involved with, with all three teams. But um, I, I, I like that in terms of having just guys with astronomical numbers because you would have all sorts of bad players, I, I think, in this game. Um, or not bad players, good players from bad teams in this game. I, I like how some of the teams from the Pro Bowl or the, the best teams in the league uh, are represented here uh, every year. So, like, but for the Bears – I, I don't know if you want to play the audio yeah. so people could hear the giddiness of Mr. Trubisky, um, but let me just paint you a picture. So uh, these practices are short, and there are fans everywhere. There's actually a lot of different media here, um, a lot of team media from all across the league. It's all sports at different sites. It's not, it's not like draft media at the Combine or the Senior Bowl, but there is different types of media that are here. Obviously, ESPN is out here in force because they're broadcasting some of the stuff this week. So media availability is 20 minutes. Uh, it lasts 20 minutes after these practices. So for two days in a row, Mitchell Trubisky has been the last player to leave for the NFC team. Today, he stood around in, in a hot auditorium because it, it had rained in the morning, so they moved the NFC team inside and took questions from everybody. He, he saw a magic trick. From somebody, a failed magic trick. This this so-called magician Adam had to do his card trick twice for Trubisky because the first time didn't work, and Trubisky was a good sport through it all. Bizarre. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes, yes, yes. Crazy, right? Like it's just some random guy who tried to do a magic trick from. No, this? no, no, no. It, it was a guy with a credential on, and they were doing some bit. He did a. There was a few bit medias that that came out. Hey, look at this tape. What do you think about this? And, and so Trubisky. One of these bit medias, what we'll call them, had him view a magic trick. And the first run at this magic trick failed. And Trubisky, like, he was even blushing. Like, I don't get it. What happened? The guy's okay, let me try again. And I even walked away. I'm like, oh, this is awkward. Let's just keep going here. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this so this amazing. type of stuff is happening here at the Pro Bowl. Okay? Just just saying. Just putting it out there. And Mitch is too nice to just walk away. I get it. Oh, yeah. oh, just went. With, with it all, good sport, happy to be here. He'd answer repetitive questions over and over and over again. He even answered controversial ones about Cody Parkey over and over and over again. So last player to leave yesterday, last player to leave today. Then he signs autographs for five to ten minutes um, uh, for fans, specifically young kid Bears fans. So there's your, your painted picture for the Mitchell Trubisky you're about to hear right now. Yeah, so you've been there, and uh, I got three chunks of audio from, from Trubisky that you got for us. Um, and let's start with, I believe this is from yesterday, but it starts with uh, him getting asked about Charles Leno and Cody Whitehair, who also got the last-minute call this week to go down on the Pro Bowl quickly on that. A little surprised on Leno. I think he had a good year, but a little surprised at Pro Bowl nod. I actually thought Cody Whitehair was playing at a Pro Bowl level for most of the season, so I think that one is... Uh, very well deserved. Either way, both of them are in the game, 
And uh, Mitch Trubisky was very excited for those two as well. I mean, so much. I was. I think I was more excited that they got the call than when I got the call. And that's hard to believe because you could ask Coach Nagy how excited I was on the phone. Cody called me and I started going nuts. I'll see, I'll see you in Orlando, man. We're going to have a lot of fun. Those guys deserve it. They protect me all year. Uh, put, their, put their bodies and, uh, on the line every single Sunday for me. And uh, to, for them to get some recognition that they finally deserve, it's, it's awesome to see. So I'm have a great week with Charles and Cody. And they're amazing dudes, so they deserve it. Did it feel good to trim the beard? <laughs> it did. It did. I got some compliments off that, too. I was like, dang. So I got to get back on social media, and I got to keep my beard trimmed. So uh, it felt really good. I could not believe how, like, girthy it actually got. So I got a haircut, and I shaved the beard all in one day. And there was a bunch that came off. But, uh, yeah, it, it feels good, and uh, we'll, we'll see where we go from here. Do you remember when you did it from, from when you guys lost? To, to uh, I did it probably, probably th- three or four days days after the game, uh, trim the beard, and uh, yeah, just fresh, fresh start. You obviously watched the, the championship games this weekend. You saw how the Saints lost in just heartbreaking fashion. Obviously, a different situation than the way you guys lost. Yeah. But, you know, Cam Jordan here is saying he's still having a hard time. Oh, yeah, I was guys, talking to Cam about it. Really. Yeah, what is that like when you, when you, when you get... It's so tough. It's so tough. You never want to see it to come to an end, and then for it to end in such a dramatic way, it's uh, it's kind of heartbreaking. So uh, there's a lot that goes into this, uh, as far as like how hard we work, how much we love this game, and our teammates, and uh, how we just aspire to get all the way to the Super Bowl. So for it to come to an end, it's really tough, especially in the dramatic fashions. And sometimes you feel like it's out of your control uh, with the calls, uh, with the with the plays that go on. So just just gotta. Try to stay positive, move forward, and uh, take it for what it is, and, and keep getting better. There was so much made of Cody Parkey going on the Today Show. A lot of people gave him a hard time about it. What, were you, what was your thoughts about him doing that? I have any thoughts about it. It was a personal choice. I mean, we're, we're a team. We stick together no matter what. So guys make decisions. We support them uh, through whatever. So uh, we got a bunch of guys here, and uh, we're just going to enjoy that week at the Pro Bowl with these guys. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it is what it is, and uh, we're, we're a family. So we just got to make sure that we get back to work, and I'm excited to get back to Chicago. But uh, it's really nice out. It's really nice out here. It's, it's not like that back home. It's freezing. There's tons of snow on the ground. So I'm going to enjoy the sunshine a little bit for sure. Sorry for asking about it, Mitch, but what, take us back to the moment where when you got the call that you were coming here and what that okay. looked like for you. So I was just telling him, I was in uh, Nashville eating lunch with Benny Cunningham. Yeah. Uh, we were just hanging out, and I got the call, and I was like, stop, stop yeah, messing with yeah. me. He's like, what you doing next week? I'm like, nothing. He's like, you want to go to the Pro Bowl? I said, stop, yeah. stop, stop messing with me, bro. Yeah. And he's like, no, for real. I said, okay, I'm there. And I was just so pumped, uh, very excited. And uh, and then I was also even more excited when Charles and uh, Cody got the call, too. So those guys really deserve it. And uh, just going to soak it all in. So obviously it's my first one, but uh, everyone says it's it's, it's, a, it's a positive experience. Just the people we meet, the players we're around, try to learn, soak it in, get a little better, uh, stay healthy, and just have a lot of fun this week. So I, I was so excited when I got the call. How about three guys from your, your draft class? How about that? Yeah, yeah. How about that? I was So being back on social media, you see a couple of things now, and they have our draft grades of me, Eddie, and Tariq, and people are bashing us. They're like, who, who, who are these guys? Where are they from? Like, why did we bring in Chicago? Yeah. And that's why. We got we know what type of guys we are, how hard we work, and the type of talent we have, and it's awesome to see. I've seen all the work that Eddie and Tariq put in, so for them to be here uh, as well, I mean, they're, they're first teams, first teamers. Yeah. So it, that, was, that was huge, and I'm just so happy for them. And Cam, those are dope shoes, bro. 
swag. It's swag. So I'm very, I'm very happy for, I'm very happy for them. They absolutely deserve it. I think it says a lot about uh, the type of people and players that Ryan Pace has brought in, and uh, just, I think it just talks about our caliber of talent. And people always underestimate you, give you grades or whatever, but we're here, so nothing they can say now, really. Just gotta keep getting better, enjoy it, and, uh, and it's awesome spending time with these guys. You talking about the other playoff games? Were you able to watch them, or is it too difficult? I would. Yeah, I saw I saw clips and highlights, but honestly, it's really hard for me to watch. So I catch. I, I didn't sit down and watch the game. I'll check I'll check scores and stuff on my phone, but I didn't watch any of the games through and through. But yeah, it's 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 tough being out. I really didn't. I, I did not expect it to come to an end. And how much fun we we're having, you I, you never want that to end. So it, yeah, it's it's hard to watch. So as excited as Mitch Trubisky sounds in all this, and I will say he sounds like a giddy, happy man. He is embracing. Right there is the big example. All these idiots on Twitter who say that the Pro Bowl shouldn't exist. Mitch Trubisky is proof right there that for a lot of these players, it still matters, and they love it. Um, So you got that. Um, But interesting that he couldn't even watch the playoff game. So that also shows you how crushed he was after the Bears lost in the fashion they did to the Eagles. But most importantly in all of that, I mean, a great follow-up by you on uh, the beard getting shaved. <laughs> you know, we got to have our priorities. It, it is the Pro Bowl here, Adam. Uh, we, we have to have fun. Uh, he's having fun this week. He did okay in, in the, the, the skills competition, uh, which I think ESPN is broadcasting tonight, so you'll, you'll read about it later. I even have something on the Sun-Times website about it. Uh, Right now, the guy's having fun. Like, don't get him wrong either. I think you can tell when uh, he talked about not watching games and maybe analyzing his own season and stuff like that, questions in that ilk. It still stings. All these guys here still feel like they should still be playing in the playoffs. Every single Bears player I have talked to still, you can still feel feelings of hurt, of. Maybe some regrets, but there's still some shock to how their season ended. Uh, Trubisky obviously um, articulated that uh, for himself, but they believe in themselves. They believe in themselves this year. Uh, they like the foundation they have set. Uh, they think they have some. They think they have a winner here with Matt Nagy being their head coach. I know there's a change at defensive coordinator. We'll get to Chuck Pagano in a minute here, but. Look, the Pro Bowl is special to these guys. They're having fun. It's nice to get the recognition. But don't let their happy feelings kind of dissuade you of how they really feel about their exit in the first round. Yeah, no, it's it's been tough on these guys. I mean, you you can tell they really thought that they could win it all this year. Um, and that's I, they still believe they can win it all next year. But um, you – which brings us back to Cody Parkey. And – very interesting to hear Mitch's thoughts there on Cody Parkey. I, I found it um, having, you know, you were there, I wasn't, but just listening to it, I um, it didn't exactly sound the, let me put it this way, the support for Parkey, the overwhelming, he's our guy no matter what, uh, that we heard immediately following the game changed a little bit there. Now, it's not like Trubisky came out and criticized him, but he also didn't say he was cool with the decision to go on the Today Show. And um, there was actually more on that from today, which is what I want to play next, because it was a little bit... Uh, Trubisky was asked again today about Cody Parkey and had a little bit of a longer um, answer 
and I just found it all interesting. So here is more from Mitch Trubisky on Cody Parkey. Yeah, someone asked me that yesterday. It was like, it is what it is. Uh, so he made a personal decision, and us being teammates and a family, we just got to support our guys no matter what they do. So whether we agree with it or not, it really doesn't matter. Uh, we're going to support our guys and support our family, and when we get back to Chicago, we're going to get back to work, and it's going to be like nothing ever happened. So uh, he just made a personal decision, and as teammates uh, and as brothers in a locker room, you just support him because uh, he's, he's, he's been going through a lot it's, uh, taking all the heat from the kick even though it did get tipped and making that decision to go on the Today Show uh, it's, if that's something he felt like he had to do we got to support him as teammates and, and brothers and, and we will so when we get back to Chicago it's time to go to work Are you a little surprised though? I guess everyone was going to take it no one, no one expected it. Right? Yeah, I didn't expect it. I know if it was me personally, I wouldn't. I, I would. I've just been like in hiding somewhere. Uh, I mean, I was. I wasn't hiding after the game myself personally. So I was just, uh, just me and my thoughts and thinking about the season we had and the year. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. All right, so I'll give Mitch a lot of credit. He still found a way to support his teammate. And be the you know the captain he is, and say all the right things to support Cody Parkey, while also making it very very clear that he would not have gone on the Today Show, and that he in fact himself went into was the word to use I like hiding or whatever following the game. Uh, so it's all very interesting to me. Yes, yes, yes. Look, Trubisky does not want to disparage the guy at all. He wants to be. The good spokesman. He wants to be the good leader. He wants to be the face of the franchise. Um, but there is a rebuke, I, I think, in his words. Not quite the, this wasn't a we thing, this was more of a me thing, um, criticism from Matt Nagy. But when, when he repeated, this was a personal choice, a personal decision. And he, and he said, I wouldn't have done this. Yeah, There is a criticism there. And yes, it's like he, he, he throws it out there, he reels it back, he throws it out there again. And I, I think he still made his point very clear that this was a bad look for Cody Parkey. He didn't like it. He wouldn't have done it. It was his personal choice. But it's his teammate still right now. So he's not going to give him the, the, the full blunt rip job that maybe people really want. You're not going to get that from Trubisky. But, again, his point was made. He did not like Cody Parkey, his kicker, making that appearance on the Today Show. Well, I think as the captain of the team, which whether he has that official title or not, I mean, that's obvious what Trubisky is for the Bears. I mean, it's somewhat like being a coach. Like, you have to you back your guys publicly, but you also have to, uh, you know, draw a line, and there has to be accountability, too, at times. So, um, and Mitch knows what. Nagy said about Parky too. So uh, anyway, I thought it was handled very hey, well. He's back in social media. Of course he does. Zero dark, zero dark ten is over, Adam. We did. We bu- we buried the lead there. Uh, it is over, and I should have brought that up right away because this is big. This is big. But this actually brings me to my next thing on Trubisky, which is uh, he said that once he got back on social media, he kind of realized how happy people were that he was back. Like it was a more positive environment. Now I'll be care- I'll be careful about that because it could change very quickly. But um. This doesn't really have to do with football. I found this this uh, about a minute exchange on how much he's getting recognized in Chicago and how much that has changed uh, since he was drafted um, and him just dealing with it. 
it, it, it was very interesting to me. So here's uh, here's Mitch on that. It's a lot different than last year. Well, it's a good thing. It's like a, a positive reception now because people want to see me and take pictures. Um, but it's like it's, it's sometimes it's hard to go places. People recognize you, but it's just it's it's part of it, and I got to accept that because it is a positive thing now that we create a winning culture in Chicago. We had a great season. And we just want to continue to do that going forward. So uh, just always be careful when you go out. Have a plan. Try to get private rooms when you go to dinner and. Um, just, just always being on your best behavior and just continue to be myself. And but I love meeting people. I love talking to fans. As long as they don't like, uh, we're, we're not cage animals. We're not just here to take pictures. Like it's cool to just come up, shake my hand, meet people, and we can talk. Just like get to know each other. So I think that's cool. But it definitely is a lot different than the first year. You get recognized and going out. So it's just something I'm continuing getting used to. So you can tell that Mitch Trubisky is full blown. Chicago Bears quarterback. I mean, this city knows who he is. He his life is different now. I mean, he can't really go outside his house without getting recognized, and he is um, he's that guy for for and for probably a really really long time. Especially if he's going to keep making the Pro Bowl. It's just another example of where he differs from Jay Cutler. Now, now Jay Cutler already look. He never went to a Pro Bowl. Is the Bears? He may be statistically the best Bears quarterback of all time, but he still did not make this game uh, with his football colleagues. So Trubisky is obviously setting a different precedent. I, I like what he said though um, about, "Hey, we don't always have to take pictures. Hey, yeah. Come and talk to me. You know, like say hi. You know, I, I'll chat you up a little bit." I think a lot of these guys get tired of the pictures over and over and over. So people, put the phones down. Just say hi to Mr. Trubisky. He doesn't need a selfie. You don't need the selfie. I know you want to put it on Facebook, but give the guy a break. Yeah, I mean, I get it. People want the proof that they met him, but um, yeah, that's where it's it kind of crosses a lot. But I think it's cool that he said, you know, come talk to me. Like we'll have a conversation. So anyway, that's uh, I just found that interesting for Mitch Trubisky. So anything else from the Pro Bowl we should know about? Um, I think Trubisky played pretty well in the precision thing. I think people are going to like watching that. Okay. Uh, I, I want to say this. Um, I know we're going to get to P- Pagano here in, in a bit and talking about what the, the, the Pro Bowl player said here about him. But it's kind of the Bears are a proud bunch, very proud bunch. Yes, they won 12-4. and four. Yes, they may have lost in the first round, but they're sticking together down here, man. They're going to the pool together. They're coming to practice together. They're taking pictures in the middle of the field together. Um, they make sure to catch up with one each other like during practice. They're joking around together. Other players ha- have taken notice. And uh, it's not only the, their, their sheer numbers, but it's how young they are. So I think it's clear. Look, the, the Bears are back. We all think that. I know you and I think that. But um, they feel awfully proud of themselves and where they're headed. I don't think they're going to get complacent either, um, but I think they feel awful proud about being the, the leading team with seven pro ball players here. Well, it's a good segue to Chuck Pagano because this is the biggest change on the team, um, and it's you know leads to a, a very big storyline going into 2019. How does this defense stay at the level it was? Um, and really, what are fair expectations with a new defensive coordinator? There's, there's just inevitable change, and there's, it's just not going to look the same next year as much as they want it to look the same. So, 
Here's how we're going to handle this, and I realize this is going to be a longer episode. Hopefully, it makes up for the fact that uh, you know it's now the off season. We're not going three days a week anymore. Um, but I, the Chuck Pagano press conference today over at House Hall that I was at ended up being over a half hour. So I, I pretty much cut this in half and tried to focus mostly on the defense. You know, him talking about scheme, philosophy, expectations. You know how he coaches, things like that. There were a lot of other topics like Andrew Luck and how he spent his year off, which is all interesting stuff too. But for the purposes of this conversation and this podcast, I try to get it down to specifically what this defense is going to look like uh, as much as we can tell here on January 24th as we record this podcast. So um, it's about 15 minutes, uh, maybe just a touch over that uh, from Chuck Pagano Today, again, as this is a podcast, you always have the option to skip through this if you've already heard it and you just want to hear our reaction. Um, but for those who haven't heard it, I think it's very helpful. I think you're going to like hearing from Chuck Pagano. Uh, he was really generous with his time and gave really long answers, um, which we appreciate. So anyway, here is Chuck Pagano, a big portion of his press conference at House Hall. Hi, good morning, everyone. Uh, appreciate you. You know, being here, um, just want to start by um, letting everybody know, you know, how grateful um, and what an honor it is to be a part of this storied franchise. Um, Many thanks to the McCaskey family, uh, Ryan Pace and and Coach Nagy, you know, for giving me this opportunity. Uh, It's an opportunity of a lifetime and, you know, sitting out um, 33 years in coaching and then sitting out last year. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how excited I am uh, to be back on the grass and uh, at such a uh, special, special place. And so I'm, uh, I'm very, very grateful and I'm, I'm thankful and uh, very excited, obviously, to, uh, to be a Bear. Uh, Adam Hope, WGN Radio. Uh, obviously, inherit, inheriting a lot of talent here. Just kind of curious how you feel like your defensive schemes and ideas fit with what has already been established. There's a lot of carryover, and I come from a three-four uh, background and system. Uh, so, you know, we're not going to try to you know jam you know square pegs into round holes. Um, there is a ton of talent here. Uh, they built. Uh, one heck of a roster. Uh, you know, they built one heck of a roster on defense. There's impact players uh, at, at all three levels. Um, so we'll always, uh, like everybody, uh, do the best that we can to put them uh, in the best possible position uh, to be successful uh, and play to their strengths. So there's going to be a lot of carryover. Um, there'll be some uh, things from a terminology standpoint. Um, that I'll have to learn, and I'll put the onus, you know, on myself and the new coaches, uh, and try to make it as seamless of, of a transition as possible for the for the players' sake. Chuck JJ Stankovitz, NBC Sports Chicago. What about Matt Nagy? Kind of attracted you to this position? Uh, from the first minute that I walked into, you hear a lot of things. You know, watching again, being out. Uh, and watching through a different lens uh, this past season uh, and watching everybody but uh, watching uh, this team um, and hearing about Coach and how he was as a, as a person. From the minute that I walked into this facility, uh, I think it was on the 11th of January, um, and started meeting with him, you know, we always talk about you know culture, each strategy. And the culture that he's built and the man that he is and the person that he is and the, uh, the, the father, um, all those things. It was so authentic. 
and, and, and so genuine. Uh, it's a people business. And Coach is all about people, and he's all about relationships. And he's just a football coach. And he's just a, he's just a normal, normal guy. And uh, it's everything uh, that, uh, that I ever wanted, ever imagined, uh, and more. Um, so it was, uh, you know, him and Ryan both. I mean, those were the two guys that I spent uh, the most time with, obviously, mo- most with Coach Nagy. Um, but uh, X's, o- X's and O's aside, excuse me, he's just a phenomenal person. You know, and again, it was, you know, the, the family, the history, uh, this organization, the fan base, all that stuff makes this such an attractive, attractive job. Um, again, I feel like luckiest man in the world right now. Hey, Jack, uh, Mark Doby with the score on WBBM. You said this was a, an opportunity of a lifetime. Is is this better to you than having been a head coach? I mean, to get this opportunity? There's a lot of things, you know, that Coach Nagy would tell you, sitting in that chair now for a year, and I sat in it for six years. That There's many times that when I was sitting in that chair, you know, I said, well, I wish I was a defensive coordinator again. Man, do I wish I was a secondary coach. <laughs> it wasn't nothing to do with coaching. It wasn't nothing to do with fo- you know the football part of it. It was just some of the other stuff, you know, that comes with it. Uh, but that's part of the job, you know. So uh, again, it's uh, it's being around uh, the people, uh, this staff that he's put together, uh, the, the roster that he's put together, um, you know, the players, uh, the coaching staff. I mean, it's just uh, I can go on and on and on. Um, again, I'm a coach at heart. Uh, just like you know, Coach Nagy is, and I love to coach football. And it wouldn't have mattered, you know, what the role was. I'm very, very fortunate uh, to have this opportunity uh, and to get this job. Um, just when you don't have, when you don't have it, it's like players, you know, that you know for whatever reason, you know, get put on the sideline or, or get removed from football for a little bit, and then they have another opportunity. They've got different perspective, you know, on things. I always talk about what a privilege it is to play and coach uh, in the National Football League and what a privilege it is to, to coach here and play here, um, you know, for the McCaskey family and for the Chicago Bears. Um, and a lot, of kid, a lot of people, you know, don't understand that. They come in and they think it's their right. You're entitled to something, and that's not, that's not it. You know, so being away, um, I've always had great perspective on, on things, great perspective on life. But just how uh, fortunate you know we are, and what a privilege this is. Chris Emma, six seventy the score, six seventy the score dot com. Uh, when we spoke with Matt Nagy last week, he referred to the continuity and uh, the similarities between your defense and Vicks. In what ways did you articulate that during your interview, and how this defense can have a seamless transition? Um, you know, there's some common threads that will run through uh, both of them. Uh, we're just sitting down. I've been here a short period of time. After I took the job, I had an obligation to fulfill uh, out in L.A. Uh, coaching in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, uh, which was a blast, you know, and had a great great time doing that. But just sitting down and, and going through and starting to meet, you know, with the staff, going through the cut-ups and, and watching, you know, all, all the games and all, and all the cut-ups and familiarize, familiarize myself with the, with the scheme and the calls and the things that, that, Vic, that Vic did. From a structure standpoint, 3-4 Standpoint, uh, base uh, base run uh, run fronts, uh, base coverages, sub uh, fronts and sub coverages. Um, again, it's the terminology 
you know, they may have, that may have changed, and they may call it, um, you know, nine here, cover nine, and we might have called it cover three. So we'll we'll bridge that gap and we'll we'll merge that thing together. And again, it'll be uh, what makes it, you know, the simplest for the players. Fred Biggs with the Chicago Tribune. So, are you learning the language that they used previously with the playbook, or are you? teaching them your life. It's going to be a little bit of both. Again, I'd rather put a lot of it on me instead of 53 guys. Or Every team's different. You know, Every year's different. The roster will change a little bit, but 90% of those guys are going to be back. So if I can put it on myself and Ed being new, um, those kind of things, and, and learn that, make it easy, you know, easier on them and harder on me, I'll, I'll do that. Again, it's just Everybody, you know, in the National Football League, they're going to run the same plays, offense and defense. Um, you just peel the decals off the helmets, and it's a different team. Um, different skill set at different positions, but everybody's doing really the same thing, offense and defense. They just call it different. You know, so they did, obviously, a lot of good things here. You know, when you look at, you know, the rankings and you go up and down those ranks, there's a lot of ones. Couple twos, couple threes. You know, so the standard is the standard, and they've been playing great defense here for a long, long time. Uh, last year was no exception. So again, um, for us to just throw everything out and start anew is that would not be very smart on my on my part. So again, it's just a matter of compartmentalizing things and, and putting. They called it here. In, in my mind, we called it something different, and I'll and I'll I'll make that I'll make that work. What was that? Ladies, Miller from ABC Seven. Welcome. How much of this opportunity appealed, knowing that Matt was going to let you just do your thing on defense, and and knowing his focus would be kind of elsewhere? It never even crossed my mind, to be honest with you. You know, again, just being back on the grass and being affiliated, being part of a team again. It stinks not being on a team. You, know, you go 33 years uh, of being on a team and showing up to a facility uh, and being in a locker room and being around coaches, uh, being around the players, uh, the grind, uh, the preparation, everything that goes into preparing for those three hours and five minutes uh, on a Sunday or a Monday night, a Thursday night, whatever it is. I mean, that's what that's what you miss. Um, the opportunity again that he's given me, uh, you know, he's the head football coach, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk and we're gonna com- communicate, and um, you know, he's got a vision and he's got a plan. And, well, I'm just gonna be a, a Paul Revere, you know, for that for that vision and for that plan, um, and so to be able to just my job is to make sure that you know we continue um, to play great defense here. Uh, keep people out of the end zone, take the ball away, affect the quarterback, all those things that they did so well here, and to make sure that coach is successful. Cheryl Ray Staff from WBEZ Radio. Talk about maintaining this defense. How can you make it exceed what they've done? Again, I I go back to um, the text messages that I received, the messages I received back from the guys about you know how eager they are to be back, how excited they are to come back here and, and get to work. And, and all of them saying, well, we can be better. 
you know, I can be better. And we'll, we'll continue to have those conversations. And as, you know, we just started to watch the tape, you know, so as we continue to watch the tape and go through that process and evaluate all that stuff, um, some thing, there'll be things there. Um, our goal and our mindset will be to come in here and get better every single day. You know, it's something. And we'll be intentional and we'll be deliberate with everything that we do. And the coaches will, will come up with a, a prescription, just like you go to the doctor and you, you're sick and he writes you a script for something. We'll give these, these players, every one of them, a, a prescription. You know, and it'll be just, you know, three, you know, precise, condensed things. You know, because we can all get better physically, uh, mentally, Knowing, understanding the game, knowing, understanding the playbook, the calls, uh, the opponents. Guys will grow. Guys will become better pros. We'll get better off the field. We'll get better on the field. Uh, there's, it's, it's going to be a beginner's mindset. I think of what Phil Jackson, uh, you know, said to the Bulls every year: championship after championship after championship. You know, and, and having Michael and having Scotty and all those players. He always talked about. In, the, in one of his books, coming in with a, a beginner's uh, mentality and coming into the meeting like it's your rookie year. So asking, you know, Danny Trevathan to come in and, and treat this like a rookie season. You know, and I sat there and I watched, you know, Ray Lewis do it in Baltimore that I was there in 17 years uh, of a Hall of Fame career, obviously, and he would come in and we'll challenge these guys to come in and notepad out, iPad you know, plugged in. Um, be where your feet are is a is a slogan and a term that we'll talk a lot about. Be engaged, being present. You know, and the simplest of calls. They've heard you know tight wheel six here for forever and ever. So when we put in tight wheel six or we put in under sixty three, whatever it is. If you've been here nine, ten years, or you've been here one year, take a beginner's mindset and a beginner's mentality, and you're writing down every single detail and note of you know what's what's my what's my what's my alignment, what's my assignment, what's my key, and what's my technique, and it's got to be that simple and that clean, and uh, so that that that's what we'll we'll challenge uh, all these guys with, and and our vision, you know, for this defense is to be the best we be the best uh, in the history of the game? Pieces are there. And they'll continue to add pieces. Can we be better than we were last year? Absolutely. It'll be very, very difficult and be a huge challenge, but one that uh, uh, we're all up for. Coach Rich Campbell from the Chicago Tribune. How would you describe your defensive style? Or what is your defense look like? Uh, wreak havoc. You know, and be ca- calculated about it. Want to be aggressive. Uh, Want to dictate the tempo. Put a premium on fundamentals uh, and technique. Uh, put a premium on the ball, like we talked about before, taking the thing away. Nobody did it better than the Bears, you know, last year with 36 takeaways, I think, and 27 interceptions, um, affecting the quarterback, stopping the run, uh, getting them in third and long, so we can so we can be creative uh, and we can be aggressive. And you know, in the end of the day, the bottom bottom line is having fun. Um, guys want to do that. The philosophy is, is a kill philosophy. Keep it likable and learnable. So that's an acronym for not, you, you know what I'm talking about. Keep it likable and learnable. Um, so it'll be complex for you, simple for us. So we can do just enough to where if we just move a couple of the jersey numbers around, it'll be the same pressure, the same coverage, the same front for us, but it'll look totally different. To our opponent, 
and that'll be the that'll be the beauty of it, uh, and it'll give these guys a chance to to play fast. We don't want to ankle them. We don't want to bog them down, and we don't want them out there thinking. That's another way that that will be better uh, and will grow, is if we can eliminate all the gray, um, have great communication from front to back, everybody on the same page. We always said if we're all wrong, we're all right, and uh, and let those guys play, let their let their light shine, you know, and because it's have fun, and they got we got a bunch of swagger, you know, in that room, and I believe in swag, and I believe in confidence, and I believe in you know letting guys play, and not uh, not making them robots. Chuck, the, the Bears had 50 sacks, and a lot of it, they didn't have to blitz a lot to get those sacks, and they, they used four-man pressure. What's your general philosophy as we go revolved around blitzing versus using, you know, just your yeah. four pass rush? A great question. Again, being be smart about it and, and calculated about it. Um, I think any defensive coordinator, any defensive coach for that matter, would tell you if you can get there with four uh, and deploy seven in coverage, uh, that's a benefit. You know, and that, that's a bonus, and you don't you don't find that um, at every place. We have that here. You know, you got you got you got game wreckers. You know, you got Mack and Floyd and Hicks. You got a bunch of guys. You know, uh, on that defensive front seven. You know, whether you bring you know Roquan, it doesn't matter. You can create it however you want to create it. So a lot of the pressures, you know, we call them simulated pressures. You know, to you and to the fans. It may look like a blitz, but you're selling it one way, and you get the protection turned that way. And from a disguise standpoint, you're looking at the play clock running down. And as soon as it's under a certain you know amount of time, and they can't change once they've made their declaration on new mic, think it's coming here. And all of a sudden, you get the rotation, and it's coming here, and you get the turn going this way, and uh, you get the free runner is what we call it. And sometimes it's three guys sometimes it's four now it looks like to them it looks like to you like man they're blitzing a lot but that's the beauty of of, of some of the stuff uh, that we're going to implement and, and uh, put to use thanks, thank you Chuck. thanks Chuck. Thank you. okay so a couple big takeaways here uh, that I think are worth talking about John's um, the first is in terms of expectations I mean, this guy was already walking into an incredibly great situation for him, inheriting the players he is, but also a situation that had incredibly high expectations. To meet what happened in 2018 is going to be a challenge, which he admitted in there. But for him to say, can, this, can we be the best defense in the history of the game? The pieces are there. Can we be better than we were last year? Absolutely. I mean, Chuck Pagano... Raise the expectations himself today. Yeah, I may have to follow up on that uh, with, with some players tomorrow. They were obviously the best defense last year. Look, I, I know they didn't lead the league in total yards, but let's be honest. The eye test was there. The interceptions were there. The advanced analytics were there. Chuck Pagano is taking over a special defense, a young defense with all pro talent. At all three levels. I mean, I'm just looking at the, the Pro Bowl here, right? You, you have Eddie Jackson, Akeem Hicks, uh, Kyle Fuller. You have Cleo Mack, who didn't come. And maybe in a couple of years, dare I say this, even better than Cleo Mack, the Bears' best defender, maybe that rookie linebacker who led the team in tackles 
this year in, in Roquan Smith. So there are certain areas where there can be improvements personally, and that will lead to collective improvements. So I, I, I like I like the wreak havoc comment. I like the aggressive comment. I, I like um, the, the 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 length and the duration that you guys got <laughs> access to them. Um, that that's impressive. That, that that'll work. That'll that'll definitely work. But um, yeah, that's the if you're going to challenge a defense that's coming off a year like that, using words like that definitely helps. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be hard to live up to. Is, I guess is my point. But um, you know, I think he said in and uh, did all the right things. And now one of the questions I had coming into this, and it was answered pretty early on, and and I yeah you know, I think pretty honestly was just how do you, what are you changing schematically and with the terminology? Anytime a new coordinator comes in, they have their system, they have their way of doing things. Um, like Matt Nagy comes in, blew up what was here before. I mean, completely blew it up. Now every offensive player on the roster had to learn a new playbook. New terminology, that was a huge storyline this year. But this is a different situation. This is a defense that has been working at a very, very, very high level. Chuck Pagano hasn't been the coordinator since 2010. I mean, how does how does that all work with him coming in here? And he said he doesn't want to change a whole lot, and he's going to adapt his own language to fit what's already here. Now, it sounds like it's going to be a mix. It's not like everything's going to be the same terminology-wise, but they're going to... F- figure it out in a way that's comfortable, most comfortable for the players who, so that they could play fast. And I think that that's very important. Now, immediately when hearing this today, a lot, I got a lot of responses on Twitter. Well, this is what Mel Tucker did. He learned Lovey Smith's uh, defense instead of making all players do it. And that didn't work. Well, come on. It's a completely different situation. Yeah. We're, we're talking yeah. about, we're talking <laughs> I about you, it. I would even argue that Mel Tucker did not. In fact, Learn that system. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. But also, I, you know, Mel Tucker's proven since he left the Bears that he's a pretty damn good coach, and now he's the head coach at Colorado. Um, I, I still think, and, and maybe this is the best proof we have, it comes down to the players, all right? Mel Tucker inherited a defense that was at the end. I mean, the window was at yep. the end, and Brian Urlacher retired, and everything fell apart, and the head coach wasn't there, okay? The, the right head coach wasn't in place. This is a comp- plus the scheme was old. I mean, everything was it was uh, uh, set up to be a disaster, whether he's a good coach or not. This is a different situation. They have pro bowlers that you're with all week right now. They have Khalil Mack. They, they have a, a system that works. I, I wouldn't be worried about the terminology aspect of this just because of what happened with Mel Tucker. Yeah, yeah. Completely different situations. Completely different head coach. I mean, I mean let's not... Um, Forget that. Just, just, just the, the entire team is different. They're young. They're not old. And look, talking to some of these guys down here, um, the defenders, Kyle Fuller, very close to Vic Fangio. He sounds excited. Eddie Jackson is thrilled. Um, look, they all, they're all going to miss that Dennis. They're all going to miss Vic Fangio. I think all of them kind of saw this coming. Um, kind of months ago because of how good they were and the type of buzz Vic Fangio was getting. But they're getting Chuck Pagano, a guy they know, uh, for one, a guy who's had success. I mean, Eddie Jackson, just bring up the, the mention of Ed Reed and Chuck Pagano's history um, about uh, with him, and Eddie Jackson just immediately lights up. Akeem Hicks, he was kind of disappointed he was here. Uh, right when you guys were, were meeting with Chuck Pagano, 
uh, we were interviewing Akeem Hicks, and he, he's like, man, I wish I was there so I could say hi. So <laughs> they like what they're hearing about Chuck Magano. They all got friends around the league. They hear things about Chuck Magano. Uh, they know what, what he did with the Ravens. They know things didn't work out that well for the, for the Colts. But you know what? Those Ravens defenses were, were fearsome. So the early impressions, the, the first impressions from the Bears Pro Bowl defenders are all good. They're all excited to play for the new guy. Well, I'll add this too. I, I was impressed with how um, you could tell how motivated Chuck Pagano is here. Because one of my, I think there are some fair questions here. Like, why weren't his defenses that great in Indy? Um, now, I get it. The personnel wasn't great. Ryan Grixon was not a good general manager. But, you know, uh, I, I, I don't think, oh, he was the head coach. He wasn't the defensive coordinator is really a, f- I, don't, I don't like that argument because, well, Lovey Smith was the head coach here in Chicago, and that defense had an identity the entire time Lovey Smith was the head coach, and that never changed. So I, I do think some of that does come back on Pagano a little bit. I also think another fair question is, well, it's been so long since he's called defensive plays. How's that all going to work out? That's going to be a, a thing. Um, the league has changed a ton offensively since he was last calling plays on defense. So how does that all work? I think these are all fair questions that that are going to play out in the next year. I was impressed with how motivated he is. He did not like sitting out for a year. Um, and that's something we took out of the the chunk of audio you just heard. Um, but you could tell he was just like going crazy a little bit, not coaching, and how much he missed, as, as uh, he kept saying, uh, being on the grass, right? I can't tell you how excited I am. Uh, to be back on the grass, which you could take a lot of different ways. But uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Chuck Pagano that's, for that's great. Welcome yes. to the Hogan John Soundboard, Chuck Pagano, um, <laughs> it, which is a good thing because we're missing Vic Fangio already here. So we we got our first one. I can't tell you how excited I am uh, to be back on the grass. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. But my point is. I think he is going to be highly, highly motivated to get this thing right with the players he has to come up with the scheme that works the best. Uh, and then there's going to be trial and error with how he calls blitzes and he wants to be aggressive and all that. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Look, people should expect there to be a transition. People should expect there to be some failures for this defense. But if Nagy's offense makes some tangible progress, Trubisky specifically, and that should all be expected as well. Then there's less pressure on this defense. I'm talking if this offense goes from 21st in yards, which it is after, which it was in 2018, if it goes to 10th or 11th, that's going to help the defense significantly. And look, what they did in terms of takeaways, that should not be expected. That shouldn't have been expected to, to be repeated even if Vic Fangio returned. I mean, that's just an outrageous number for teams to hit. There will be a transition for Chuck Pagano. But if Nagy's offense improves, the Bears still will be a better team. All right, we'll close the Pagano talk with this because uh, this is why we have the great listeners we do. They, those who watch the press conference live uh, or listen to it live, Notice this right away, and we're tweeting at us. The philosophy is, is a kill philosophy. Keep it likable and learnable. So that's an acronym for not, you, you know what I'm talking about. Keep it likable and learnable. We're going to be simple. We're going to play fast. We're going to play hard. 
We're going to kill it, okay? This is a great acronym, you guys, right? Kill it. Keep it likable and learnable. Brock Olivo. And Chuck Pagato. What? Yes, yes. I yes. can't figure out the connection either, and I wasn't going to you know, stop the press conference here to be like, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. How do you and Brock Olivo have the same philosophy here? But like, you know, I'd going through their coaching histories, I don't think they coached together before, but somewhere somewhere on the tree of coaching cliches and philosophies and mottos and acronyms that sort of work, but really that's Kalal if we're being honest here. There's a cro- somewhere they cross. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. That's great. Yeah, I know. I just now I'm curious. It's like I have a new goal is to find out how Brock Olivo and Chuck Pagato both go with kill it. Training camp's going to be fun. We, we we have to get him on the podcast. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't this year. We should have requested him. Who Brock? Yes. Yeah, that's yes, an oversight. Yes. But but now we have the best in. Like, hey, do you know Chuck Pagano uses the kill acronym too? Yeah. And why is it why is it not kill kill all? The philosophy is, is a kill philosophy. Keep it likable and learnable. So that's an acronym for not, you, you know what I'm talking about. Keep it likable and learnable. Like my favorite part of that is like even he can't really explain it. Yeah. You know what though, Chuck? <laughs> Brock Olivo knows what the hell you're talking about. Don't worry about a thing. Uh, all right. We should get out of here. That was uh, quite a long but fun episode. This turned out to be a very, very newsy week. Um, and great job by you down there in, in Orlando, too. I appreciate it, my man. Are you ready for the Super Bowl? I am. I'm really excited. Uh, um, should I actually plug that? Thank you for that reminder. All next week, Monday through Friday, uh, from Radio Row, I'll be there with... Oh, we got a ton of great guests lined up. I'm not going to share them yet, but, um, you know, some big names... Uh, a couple former Bears I think we'll hear from, too. And uh, the plan is to do exactly what we did last year, which, if you remember, you can actually listen live Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. Central on the stream, WGNRadio.com and the WGN Radio app. Uh, and, of course, we'll podcast everything like this, too. But it's on sports the Sports Central podcast feed, not the Hogan Johns feed. Although I do want to try to bust out a podcast between the two of us for Hogan Johns as well next week. So... We'll, we'll try to get that done depending on uh, how the week's going. But uh, I am looking forward to the Super Bowl. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, we should be a little bit warmer there. Yes. I mean, it's not going to be one degree. I know Bring that. Bring your swimsuit for the hot tub. Oh, I'm, will be there. Oh, definitely. find them there. Oh, yeah. But we, we. <laughs> come find. <laughs> yeah, come find. I'm not going to go there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. Read us. Appreciate it. Subscribe, rate, review. Talk to you next week from Radio Row in Atlanta. I can't tell you how excited I am uh, to be back on the grass.